Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Well, as you can see, Pastor Randy Carter is here on the stage with me. Nearly 20 years ago, I went for my credential interview. So I had taken the test, and then now this group of men were going to determine whether or not uh, I was truly called into ministry with, uh, with the Assemblies of God. And so I walked into one of the most intimidating rooms that I've ever walked into in my life. I mean, these are the heroes of the faith. These are legendary pastors who pastor great churches. And, you know, as a young man, uh, Pastor Pastor Randy's young as well, but he was a little older than I was, as well as the other men in the table. And I just remember as I walked into that room, you all were so encouraging and so loving. And uh, 20 years later, I still have credentials. And so I'm grateful for, uh, for that investment and for, uh, for your trust and faith in me. But when Eric and I were missionaries to India, we had the opportunity to be supported by the church that you pastored for 26 and a half years in Jackson, Tennessee. Pastor Randy and Miss Nancy pastored there for 26 and a half years, led a tremendous church in a great community, and uh, and and gave millions of dollars away to missions over the years as a result of your leadership of that. You've since retired and now you're working with Priority One, traveling around the country, raising funds for Bible schools. And last year, you'll remember Sam Johnson came and spoke from Priority One and we partnered with them. Uh, Priority One is one of our global partners with Kingdom Builders. And about a handful of times throughout the year, we'll have a catalytic Sunday where we'll take up a special offering. And today, our goal is to raise $20,000 for priority one. But Pastor Randy told me, he said, you don't know the anointing that's upon my life. He said, he was, last Sunday, he was in South Dakota and preached the, uh, preached the message. And afterwards, the pastor showed him a text where somebody had gone online and given $50,000. On top of that, someone came up and gave a $50,000 check. So last Sunday was a $100,000 offering for priority one. And I just say, yes, Lord, and let it be here, you know, inspire people uh, to give generously. And so, so grateful for your friendship, so grateful for your heart for the lost and for missions around the world. And I know that you've heard from God and have a tremendous word for us. Would you join me in welcoming Pastor Randy as he comes to bring the word? God bless you. Love you. Love you, Pastor. And wow, hey, no pressure, but Iowa's always going to outdo South Dakota, right? Okay. Hey, when uh, I don't remember that specific incident 20 years ago, I don't remember 20 minutes ago, actually, but uh, I do remember that we never had any question about Erica, few questions about Jonathan, but we passed them on uh, the basis of his wonderful one. No, we love these guys and have for a long time, and what a thrill to be in Waverly, Iowa. My roots, uh, mom and dad, were born in Waverly, Tennessee. And if you think Waverly, Iowa is small, you should go to Waverly, Tennessee. And uh, mom was there yesterday. She'll be 92 in a few months, but she was there um, for a family reunion. And I told her, I said, well, tomorrow I get to preach in Waverly, Iowa. And uh, Iowa means a lot to me. Um, back when Lincoln was president, I did a summer internship <laughs> at First Assembly in Des Moines, Iowa, when Charles Crabtree was there. 
and much of my ministry over the last many, many, many years that was formed that summer. And so Iowa, Iowa, I re, the thing, two things I remember the most was oh, corn on the cob, every meal, every meal, every meal. And, uh, and homemade ice cream. Do y'all still do homemade ice cream? The kind you have to crank or whatever? Y'all are too young and sophisticated for that. So, uh, well, Pastor Jonathan and Erica have been incredible hosts. Everybody's been so nice. We're staying in, uh, the, why can't I remember? Waterloo. <laughs> We're staying, man, that's where Napoleon got kind of ticked off, right? Anyhow, we're staying in Waterloo at the nicest hotel we've ever stayed at, an old factory. And uh, last night we came up and saw this incredible facility. What vision you guys had to take an old school and turn it into this. Unbelievable. And, uh, and then they took us to eat. We had a great hamburger, corn-fed. And, uh, and then we went to an ice cream place that was just shy of heaven. I mean, it was it was amazing. My wife was complaining on the way back. She said, because at the first of the year, she said, I'm concerned about your health. And uh, she said, I want you to go on a diet. I said, really? I said, what kind of diet? She said, well, I want you to lose 10 pounds a month. She thinks in two and a half years, I'll be gone. So that's her hope anyhow. <laughs> well, hey, let's, let's look at God's word. I do believe I have a word. In fact, two words from the Lord that he wants to burn into every one of our hearts. And those two words are so that. Can you say those two words with me? So that. Say it one more time. So that. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, those, that two-letter phrase repeats itself six times in the NIV version. And when something's repeated that many times in that short of a uh, span of Scripture, you need to pay attention to it. So let's start with 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. We'll read verse 8, and then we'll skip down to verse 11. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Can we just say thank God for that? Anybody here feel blessed? Well, about a half of you. That's good. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that, say those words, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Verse 11. You will be enriched in every land and are in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The promise in verse 8 is God's abundant supply. The purpose, so that we will abound in every good work. The purpose, the promise in verse 11 is that you will be enriched. The purpose is so that we can be generous. The Lord is saying to this church and to every one of us individually, I have blessed you so that you can be a blessing to others. I have blessed you so that you can be a blessing to others. Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter or Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Freely you have received, freely give. God's given to us so that we can give to others. We are a blessed people. You say, well, you know, Pastor, don't you realize that we're just coming out of COVID and, and man, I don't feel so blessed. I'm telling you, we are blessed. We're, you're blessed to live in Waverly, Iowa. I mean, what an incredible little town and little community. You're blessed to be attending Cross Point Church. I mean, this is a great church. What a wonderful worship team. Let us into the presence of God. You're blessed to have Pastor Jonathan and Erica as your pastors. Listen, I've been in a lot of churches in the last few years since I retired. 
And I want to tell you, you have two of the best. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And you're blessed. What, is it, what else did you want me to say right there? No, I'm just kidding. He didn't ask me to say that. So we're blessed to live in this country and to have the freedom to gather together. This weekend, we should recognize our blessings, maybe more than anything else, because of the 4th of July. It reminds us that we're free in this country. Several years ago, in 1993 exactly, Nancy and I took our first uh, missions trip. We went to Romania. We went to Temeshwara. Romania. And those of you that know your history know that in 1993, it was just a couple of years after Ceausescu, who was one of the most cruel, awful dictators that the communist world had ever produced, had been overthrown there in the city of Temeswara. And when the West was able to come in and see for themselves what had gone on in, in Romania, it was hor- they were horrified to see the orphan situation. Hundreds of thousands of orphans and in incredibly unhealthy, unsanitary conditions. So Nancy and I got to go. And when we were there, we stayed with a couple in their mid-20s. We don't remember his name, but Nancy remembers her name because they got quite close. Her name was Donna. And Donna had learned to speak English by watching American television. How many of you know she had some unique words, all right? I just think about that. And her favorite show was Dallas. How many remember Dallas? Any of you remember? How many watched Dallas? Y'all are going to hell, I'm telling you right now. You never should have. But anyhow, Dallas, she had this burning question about Dallas, and the question was, who shot Bobby? We go, no, 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 no. It's who shot J.R. She goes, no, I know who shot J.R. Who shot Bobby? We felt bad. We didn't know Bobby had been shot. I mean, it was horrible, but we got over it pretty quickly. And as the week went on, their conversation became a little more serious each day. And the night before we were to fly back to America, Donna looked at Nancy, and she asked a question that we've never been able to get away from. It's haunted us and motivated us for all of these years since 1993. And the question was this, why were you born in America and me here in Romania? Think about that. Why have we been blessed to be born in Waverly, Iowa, in America? Why? And what she was asking is, why were you born to freedom and prosperity, and I was born to bondage and dictatorship and, and poverty? We find the answer. I, I didn't know how to answer. We, neither one of us knew how to answer. But in Acts chapter 17, God gives us the answer. In Acts chapter 17, verse 26, it says this, From one man he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God, In other words, God knew when and where you were appointed to be born. It was, you, didn't, you weren't born in Waverly or wherever it was that you were born by accident. God planned that. He planned that you would be born to that family in that location And verse 27 tells us why. God did this so that, so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. God let me be born in Detroit, Michigan, on November 12, 1952, to to parents Boyd and Nell Carter. Why? Because he wanted me to be able to find 
him. He wanted me to be able to be born in a place where the gospel of Jesus Christ was freely preached. We moved to Tennessee when I was 12. And if you go back to Tennessee with me, and I'm sure it's the same here in Waverly, you can hear the gospel on numerous radio stations. You can watch the gospel on numerous TV stations. There's a church on every corner. There's, there's podcasts now that you can get any preacher pretty much from anywhere around the world. And God let that happen so that we would find him. Why? so that we could take him to the places where he's never been preached before. God blessed us to be Americans, and we shouldn't feel guilty for that, but we should feel responsible. We should feel responsible. We were born in a nation where the gospel is prevalent. We're a messed up nation. We'll grant you that. But we still have the freedom. And God's saying, I did this so that you will be responsible to take the gospel around the world. Now, these two words, so that I mentioned, they, they are mentioned six times here in Rome, uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, somewhere in the Bible in chapters 8 and 9, all right? And they give us four characteristics of so that living. So first of all is this, so that living goes all in. Everybody say all in. So that living goes all in. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5 says this, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. Before they ever gave a dime, they gave themselves to the Lord. Before you have ever given, you know, here's, here's the problem. We can give our money and still hold things back. And what God is interested in, not our money, he's interested in us. He wants not a part of us, but all of us. 2 Corinthians 8, 5 in the message paraphrase is this, says it this way. This was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and it caught us completely off guard. What explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. Did you hear that? Did you hear that worship song about we give it all to you? I don't remember the exact line, but we give it all. How many of you have ever sung a song beyond your level of real dedication? You know what I'm at, talking about? We say it, and, and we've got anything. On the way down here yesterday, we stayed in Minnetonka, Minnesota, Friday night. And uh, we were driving down here, and we Googled it. And it took us all rural roads. We don't know why we didn't, didn't put us on 35 or whatever the highway is. But we're, we came through southern Minnesota and then northern Iowa. We saw more corn than we ever wanted to see. I mean, it, we are corn, corned up with corn, all right? I mean, but, but when we were on that two-lane road, I got behind a big semi-truck, and it must be they, they haul things all around the country, and the, and the back of the truck had their motto, and their motto was anything, anytime, anywhere. Anything, anytime, anywhere. And I said, Lord, that a preach. I mean, that's what God wants of us, anything, anytime, anywhere. And we sing songs, God, God, whatever you want. But God says, I'm not enough to sing it. You've got to do it. You've got to go all in. You've got to go all in. He wants our heart. He wants our time, our gifts, our talents. He wants our obedience. He wants our dream. But here's the good thing. He doesn't just want the good stuff. He wants our junk too. He wants our hurts and our pains, our fears and our worries. He wants, a, anybody here besides me got junk in your life? 
Am I the only sinner in the house or we got some other ones in here? I mean, he wants the good, the bad, and the ugly. He wants it all. He wants us to give him our whole self. I was one online. I always like to go online and listen to the last service or two before I go to preach somewhere because I want to know what I'm getting into. And, uh, and I wanted to know if Jonathan could preach as well as I, he told me he could. And no, no, he never said that. And he, I'll tell you what, he did a great job. Did a great job. But on the website, I found these words, three things that Crosspoint is all about. Give, grow, and go. And I go, that's brilliant. And he said, yeah, I know, I thought of it myself. No, <laughs> I'm just picking on him this night because he's so easy to pick on, you know. But give, grow, and go. That's brilliant. That's exactly what. And, and you may be sitting here and say, well, I'll give, but don't expect me to grow. I'm kind of comfortable. And you don't grow when you're comfortable. You grow when you're experiencing a little discomfort and God moves you out of your comfort Go Well, I'll, or maybe I'll give or I'll grow, but don't expect me to go. But God wants our give, our grow, and our go. He wants everything there is about us. Last fall, I had the privilege of preaching in Muncie, Indiana, at Glad Tidings Church, where I was a youth pastor. Oh, I mean, Lincoln really was president then. And, uh, and I had people coming up to me in wheelchairs and on canes saying, I was in your youth group, Pastor. It was, it was disheartening. It was very disheartening. But I, I began to think in preparation. It was wonderful to be back there. And in preparation, I was thinking, I really wasn't a very good youth pastor, but I did do one series of teachings that helped some of them because the pastor of that great church was one of my youth, the one that's back. The pastor last week in South Dakota was one of my youth, so thank God for that. But uh, I did a teaching on how to know the will of God because everybody wants to know that. And I told a story, and I never forgot the story, and I think it fits with what we're trying to say today. It was a story of a successful businessman that uh, was sold out for God. He, he had been very successful, very focused on his business. It had cost him a lot. But when he got, came to know the Lord, he went just as all in for, that, for the Lord as he had been to build his business. So one day he's sitting in his office and he gets a yellow legal pad and he just decides to write out a contract. He's thinking like a businessman. And so he, he puts on that page, for not just a page, but three pages, everything that he can possibly think that the Lord might ask of him. And he's saying, Lord, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go anything, anytime, anywhere. I'm willing to go, grow, and, or, or give, go, and grow, or glow, or whatever it is. I'm willing to do it all. And at the end of that, he signs the third, bottom of the third page. And he leaves his office, and he goes to the church, and he walks into the worship center. Nobody's in there. Just a little light coming through the stained glass. And he walks down to the altar, and he puts that, uh, those three pages on the altar and he said Lord here's my contract with you and all of a sudden he felt like God spoke to him and God whispered the words I'm impressed and he felt good because he really wanted to please the Lord but then he heard the Lord follow up by saying now rip them up he goes wait a minute Lord you said you were impressed but now you want me to rip up I mean this is what I'm committed and he said rip them up and so in obedience, he took them and he ripped them up. And then he felt the Lord whisper to him and say, now take a blank piece of paper, sign the bottom of it, and let me fill it in. And that's exactly what God wants of us. And that's what the Corinthian church was. They gave themselves. They went all in. They 
fully surrendered to God. And maybe there's somebody, now we're going to take an offering, or the pastor is at the end of the service, and give you an opportunity to give. But maybe it's more than that that we're here for today. Maybe there's somebody in this room that God's been speaking to you about the go part of your vision. The go, where you would follow the Lord and say yes to wherever that might be, whether it's Uruguay or or whether it's Timbuktu or wherever. God, God is saying, I want your unqualified yes. You're on the second point. So that living goes all in. Secondly, so that living is personal and proportional. It's personal and proportional. Let me, what do I mean by that? Well, I'm glad you asked. It says in 2 Corinthians 8, 12 this. For if the willingness is there, that's what God wants, the willingness For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. You know what the Lord is saying to Crosspoint today? He's saying, I want you to be willing. And how do you know if you're willing? You you pray this prayer, Lord, what would you have me give? I'm going to share a project in just a couple of minutes about uh, building a chapel at a Bible school in Argentina. And, And God is saying, I want people to just quiet their hearts not to respond because of a story, not to respond out of emotion, but just to quiet their hearts and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to give? You know, it's easy to hear what God wants somebody else to give. But God wants us to ask, Lord, what is it that you want me to give? Because his giving is personal and it's proportional. In other words, God doesn't expect you to give the same that he's going to expect the neighbor to give that's sitting next to you. He has a different plan for each of our lives according to the blessings that, that he's put, it, put into our life. The um, last Sunday, we had um, those two $50,000 gifts. The first one came in online. The second one, at the end of the second service, or really is the end of the first service, I think, there was a couple right here, and uh, they were, they were kind of hanging around, so I went over to greet them. And they said, the Lord spoke, here's what the Lord spoke to us to give. And they handed me an envelope. They said, do we give it to you or to the church? I said, no, no, no. You always give through your local church. That's the safest thing you can do is to give through Crosspoint because they, they, they check out all the places that they send their money. So I said, no, give it to your local church. And I'm glad I didn't look at the envelope. This was a young couple and they had written on their envelope $50,000. So you had that check from this young couple and then you had the check that's coming online or the gift that's coming online. Well, two weeks, or not two weeks, several weeks ago, I'm preaching in a little town in Southwest about this size, about 10,000 people in, in tennis, middle Tennessee called Lawrenceburg. And at the end of the first service, a guy comes up to me and talks to me and tells me what he's going to do and it's fairly significant. And, and there's a little teenage boy over here, probably 16, maybe 17, just waiting. And uh, when the other guy walks up, he comes up to me and he hands me $20. And he says, this is what, he said, this is all I have. But I want to give it to help build a dorm room in Burkina Faso. And I found out afterwards from one of the, from the youth pastor that this boy had just come to know the Lord about two months earlier. And he gave everything he had, $20 compared to 50000 last week. Now, do you think up in heaven the angels are going, look, look, $50,000, can we get 51? No, they're just as excited over that $20 as 
We are over the 50,000. We're the ones that are impressed by big numbers. God's impressed by obedience. God's impressed when we say, Lord, whatever, whenever, wherever, however, God, I'm willing to do it. You speak it to me, I'll believe you for it, and God will bless. Now, the project that we're asking you to give to, we'll put some pictures up now, is to build a Bible school in Buenos Aires, uh, uh, South America, Argentina. This is the entrance, a beautiful entrance to the school. The school has a little over 300 students. It's been there for years. It's the leading Bible college in all of South America, producing pastors that go out and start new churches. Let's go on to the next. This is some of the students. Don't you just want to jump right into the midst of those guys? And then show us this next picture. This picture, this is what it's all about. This, this building is going to be torn down this week, but it's been a fight to tear it down because it's on the national historic record of Argentina. Because at the end of the Second World War, many of the Nazi officers from Germany fled to South America, to Uruguay or to Argentina, and a general fled to this area, and this was his driver's house. And because of the historical connection to this house and to the Nazis, they've refused to let it be torn down. But when God wants a chapel, God gets a chapel. Show us the next picture. This is the legal document signed by all these different Argentinian officials that have given them permission to tear down this, think about it, a Nazi home all the evil represented with the Nazi regime, and now it's going to be torn down this week, and it's going to be replaced with a thousand-seat chapel. Along that takes, they're also buying a couple other houses with a thousand-seat chapel where where young Argentines and other South Americans will be schooled in the things of the Holy Spirit, and will take that and make a difference in all of the southern South American. Yeah, give God praise. Give God praise. And you get to be part of that. Now you say, how much it's going to cost? All right, you ready? We think $1.3 million. That's a lot of money. But we got 100000 plus last week. They're still counting others that are giving offerings. And Hobby Lobby, anybody of you shop Hobby Lobby? If you shop Hobby Lobby, raise your hand. God bless you. Keep shopping there. Because they give 50% of their profits away. And this year they've given us a million dollars. A half a million is going to this project. So that's 600000 And I just got a text from Sam Johnson last night. A church out in Washington State sent 91000 They ain't even, they, pardon my grammar, they ain't even Christians out there. You know what I'm saying? And so we're up almost to 700000 So all you guys need to raise today is 600000 Isn't that amazing? I mean, just think, and it's possible. You say, do you really believe it's possible? Yes, with the Lord, with the Lord. I didn't. I would have never. I would have never thought last week two couples would give us fifty thousand. But God spoke to their hearts. They dared to pray, and God dared to believe that they would respond, and they ha- and they did. And because of that, we're going to see this chapel built. So, what do you give? You give what God puts on your heart. You give what God puts on your heart. I can tell you if you don't if you don't have a number, ask me. I'll give you, I'll just, in fact, I'll just, I'll just say this. Sign the check, let me fill it in, all right? I, I mean, now you're going to really hear from God, aren't you? See, if you don't believe God is impressed, don't make the mistake of thinking that $20 is not as important as 50000 
Jesus told a story about he went to the temple one day in Mark chapter 12, and he's watching people give. That's kind of intimidating, isn't it? Thinking Jesus sees what you put in the offering. And it talks about the Pharisees and all those guys coming in, giving large sums of money with a lot of great fanfare. And then a little widow comes in, and she doesn't give $20. She gives two cents. And the Lord makes a statement. He said, she has given more than all of the others put together because she gave everything she had. And what God wants is our obedience. Don't compare. Don't make the mistake of thinking your little will not make a difference because when God adds his super to your natural, it becomes supernatural. And that's our third point. So that living is supernatural. It's beyond natural. Let me, what, let me explain. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. In the midst of a severe trial, sounds like COVID. In the midst of their extreme poverty, sounds like our economy, right? How many remember when you could go to the store and buy a dozen eggs for less than $100? Remember that? All right. But yet, they were able to give everything that they could and beyond their ability. How did they do that? Because they obeyed God. They gave what they could and God turned it into something supernatural. He took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 men plus women and children. God can take little and expand it. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 9, 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God says if you'll pray and then respond in obedience, yes, Lord. And let me tell you this. When you pray and say, God, I'm willing to give whatever you want to flow through me, the number that comes into your head will probably scare you. Because remember, it's, what was the first, first thing? Give grow. God doesn't want you to give what you gave last time. He wants you to grow. A lot of us are stagnant in our faith. We're still giving a hundred dollars and feeling good about ourselves when God's calling us to give a thousand or we're still giving a thousand when he's calling us. But here's the point. You'll never give a thousand if you haven't given a hundred before and you'll never give 10,000 or 50 or whatever if you haven't been obedient along the way. God grows our faith incrementally, and God wants to do that in each and every one of your hearts. So can I just share? Of course I can. I've got the microphone. <laughs> All right. I, let me share a personal testimony. Nancy and I retired after pastoring in Jackson 26 and a half years. We retired in December of 2019. And the only thing that we were hesitant to retire about is we knew we would be okay. We had saved and invested the, probably as smart as we could have, but we had saved and we're going to be okay in retirement, but we didn't know how we were going to continue to give to missions like we'd already given. Always, because that's been a part of my life. It started in Des Moines at First Assembly 100 years ago, actually 1973, when God birthed that in my heart. And, uh, and, and so we said, Lord, we want to retire. And the Lord said, it's time. So we stepped down. COVID hit. Can I tell you that last year we gave more to missions than we've ever given in one year in our entire life? 
And this year, we're on a pace to far exceed what we gave last year. You say, how are you doing that? I don't know, except God. We said yes to the Lord, anytime, anywhere, anything. We said, yes, Lord, we'll give, we'll grow, and we'll go. We'll do whatever. And God, we've become a funnel, and that's what God wants. He wants us to be a funnel that he can flow. As, he'll flow it to you if he knows he can flow it through you. God wants to do something supernatural. Wouldn't you love to be able to one day give 50000 Wouldn't you love to be able to give a half a million like the Greens? That doesn't... You know why those guys are able to do that? Because they started small and they grew their faith. I hope I'm helping somebody here. All right, last point. Last point. You ready for the last point? You're afraid to say yes, aren't you? All right. So that living goes all in. It's personal and proportional. It's supernatural. And finally, so that living is committed. Is committed. 2 Corinthians 8, 11. Now finish, everybody say finish. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Let me say this one more time. I caution you, give out of obedience, not out of emotions. You know, if you give out of emotions, you're on your own. But if you give out of obedience, God's God's gonna be behind that. And what happens often is we get... We hear a story, a missionary comes. Sam Johnson was here last year. He's one of the greatest mission speakers. I've ever, every time I'm around him, I, have, I go away broke because I just give more money. But it's not about responding to a story. It's about responding in obedience. Because here's the thing. It's one thing to make a commitment and another thing to follow through. In fact, I like, I like it when churches say, you know what, we're... we're We're going to give you some time. If you came prepared to give today, fine. But if not, bring it back next week or in another two weeks or whatever to give you that opportunity to pray. But then you got to finish the work. So we have two daughters. Our oldest is an attorney in Washington, D.C. She works for the Department of Justice. And uh, she'd been a lawyer her whole life. She came out of the womb arguing. And... uh, And then we have another daughter that lives there in Knoxville. She has two babies. That's why we're there in Knoxville. It's easy to follow God's will when kids are involved, grandkids. And uh, and while they were in high school, no, college, we decided to go on a family cruise. We'd had some wonderful vacations but never a cruise. Well, the problem is no college girls want to be seen with their parents on a cruise. And so we made one rule. We said, all right, you don't have to acknowledge us. You have your cabin. We have ours. And uh, you don't have to hang out with us during the day. But at night, we're going to eat in the dining room, and we'll just kind of meet as a family then. And so the oldest daughter, she'd sit in her room and read because she just loves to read. The youngest daughter would sit by the pool and sunbathe. I don't know what Nancy did. I still don't have figured that out. But, but I would, I'd brought a book called A Hole in Our Gospel. And it's by Rich Stearns. And if you haven't read it, it's an old book now, probably 20, 25 years old. But it's about his journey from being president of Linux Corporation. I didn't even know what that was. But it's all about the fine things of life, fine china, fine crystal. It's about paying $100 for a plate that you could buy at Walmart for two. That's what it's about. But from becoming pre- being president of that to becoming president of World Vision which is similar to Convoy of Hope. It feeds thousands, millions of kids around the world each and every day. And it's incredible. I'm reading this. I'm on a luxury liner. 
And I'm reading this, and I'm bawling as I'm reading it because God's touching my heart. So at night, we get together that first night, and I start telling the girls and Nancy what God's been speaking to me through the day, and I'm crying, and they're embarrassed. And the next night, we come back, and I'm telling them more. And my daughter, that's the lawyer, looked at me, and she said, Oh, Dad, you'll get over it. And it made me mad. Number one, it made me mad because she shouldn't act like her mother's side of the family. Number two, (laughs) I got to ride home with her today. That's a long way back to Knoxville, next two days. But what really made me mad was she was, that was honest. We get over things, don't we? We see pictures on TV of the famines around the world. We see the little bloated bellies of of, of kids and and, and we cry and, and then we get over it. Life happens. Whatever God speaks to you today, don't get over it. In fact, I'm praying that that God will speak much more, much more than about giving because giving is just a third of your vision. It's about giving, growing, and going. And God's going to speak to every one of us, I believe, if we have open hearts, about all three of those areas. Don't get over it. There's one more so that. It's in chapter 8, verse 9. I love this one. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. You know what he's talking? He's talking about Jesus was in heaven, and everything was at his disposal. Yet he laid all of that aside and became a man, became poor, born to a poor carpenter and a lowly virgin, and, and, and he came and he lived so that he could sacrifice his life so that we could have forgiveness. That's what it's saying. John 3.16 says it this way, For God so loved that he gave. Why did he do that? Because he wanted a relationship with each and every one of us that's in this room today or if you're watching online. He came and gave himself the sinless, the sinless son of God, lived a perfect life and then gave it up freely on a cross. Why? So that we could have forgiveness. He paid the price so that we could be free. And if you're in this room this morning or watching online and you don't have that assurance of forgiveness, now's the time to do it. Right now. You don't have to say, you don't have to cry. You don't have to come forward. You don't have to do it. You just have to say to the Lord, Lord, I acknowledge I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. Can we pray? Father, we just pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. And Lord, for those watching online and for those that are in this room today that have yet made the decision to follow you and to accept your forgiveness, Lord, when you cried out on the cross, it is finished. Lord, that that moment in time sealed our eternal destiny. You paid the debt of our sins so that we could have life and have forgiveness. If you're here with heads bowed for just a moment, you're here and you say, Pastor Randy, I I need that forgiveness. I don't know that I have that, and and I'd like to have that before I walk out. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor Randy, would you pray with me? And we're going to pray. As I look across the room, just slip your hand up. There's one. Anybody else, just slip your hand up. Say, pray with me. Those of you watching online, would everybody pray this prayer with me? Everybody pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, we come in your name asking you, Lord, to forgive us of our sins. And Lord, we believe that when you died on the cross, 
that you paid in full are the price of our sins, the penalty for the things that we had done, not for the things you had done. And Lord, we receive that forgiveness now. We ask you to come into our life and change us. Help us to live for you, Lord. Help us to live our life as an eternally, as an eternal thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us all the way back on the cross. We accept you and we accept your Holy Spirit now in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Pastor, give you some instructions here in just a moment if you prayed that prayer. But I have one last story. Can I have just three minutes for one last story? Perhaps the most unusual missions trip that I've ever gone on. I've been on probably 45 or more, many countries. But it was a trip to Uganda with the Union University ladies basketball team. Union is a Southern Baptist school, great school in Jackson, Tennessee. They're close to where I, right in about a mile from where I pastored. And the girls basketball had won six of the last eight national championships in NAIA, now they're uh, NCAA Division II. But the coach was part of our church and he wanted his girls to know that there's more to life than just basketball. So he challenged them to raise $2,000 each to pay for the trip. And he asked me and a couple other guys to go along as you know protectors and, and, and chaperones or whatever. It was an unbelievable trip. Our instructions were we could pack in a backpack anything we needed for ourselves, clothes for a week, toiletries, all that. And then our check bag was to be full of things we were gonna give away clothes, toys, candy, uh, toiletries, whatever we could fill up a suitcase with. So we get there, we're there for seven or eight days, and every day is the same thing. We'd go to an orphanage, and we'd play with the kids, and they were so much fun, so much fun. And then two of the girls from the team would give a devotion, give them an opportunity to receive Christ, and then we'd give things that we'd brought, and they'd brought a lot of other things as a team. Every day, two or three orphans, Orphanages. The last day that we're there, it's in the afternoon. We pull into the last location. It's just a big open field, trees all around. And we go, why are we stopping here? They said, you'll see. We get out, a couple hundred kids mob us as soon as we get off the bus. Do the same thing. Play, devotions, give away. This time, we give everything away. We don't keep anything because we're going home the next day get on the bus. I'm sitting on the second row. Nobody's on the first row. I'm about right behind the driver. And this teenage boy, my guess is he's 15, 16. He walks up to the window, no shirt, no shoes, just an old ragged pair of pants. And he says, hey, mister, hey, mister, give me, give me some candy. And I go, oh, I'm so sorry, but we don't have any candy left. Hey, mister, Give me one of those hats, red hats with the white union logo on it. I go, I'm sorry we gave all the hats away. He said, hey, mister, and this is when I knew he was desperate. He said, give me some soap. No teenage boy asked for soap. And I said, I'm sorry, but we don't have any soap. And he turned and he walked away. And he walked eight or nine steps and he stopped and he looked back. I can see his face now, and I hope I never get it out of my mind. He says, hey, mister, could you give me something that will help me? That's what we're here today for. 
on behalf of South America and Argentina and the Bible school, we're saying, could you give us something that will help us build where a Nazi evil home had existed? Would you help us build a chapel where students can encounter the Holy Spirit and be changed so that they can go and change the world? Give us something that will help us. Thank you for letting me share today. challenge and what an opportunity that we have today to give of something that will be helpful. There are multiple ways that you can participate in this offering. One is there's an offering envelope in the seat pocket in front of you. You can fill that out, write Kingdom Builders on it, write Priority One. Uh, Anything that comes in in the Kingdom Builders offering or marked Kingdom Builders for today will go towards this project. You can also scan the QR code on the seat seat in front of you and click on the Give tab. And there you can mark Kingdom Builders as well. And we'll make sure that it goes to this. Uh, Pastor Randy, I can't wait till uh, this is collected and to be able to call you and tell you what God has done as generosity uh, is outpoured in our church this morning. Thank you so much for the challenging message that you preached this morning, for your heart for the lost and for missions, for really giving us an opportunity to partner with what God's doing in other places. We're so grateful for you and Miss Nancy and, uh, and pray God's best for you. He mentioned as some of you prayed that prayer today, we wanna encourage you in the decision that you've made. And so we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Again, if you prayed that prayer, we wanna follow up with you on the decision that you've made and encourage you in the journey that God wants to take you on. So again, yes to 319-250-8998. Let's stand all across this room. We leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. In just a moment, the prayer team's gonna make their way to both sides of the stage. The worship team's gonna lead us in another song. And if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, I would encourage you as soon as they begin singing to step out of your seat and come forward for prayer. So I'm gonna pray. Prayer team's gonna make their way to the front. And if you've come here today needing prayer as the worship team leads out in this song, then come on forward. God, thank you so much for Pastor Randy, Miss Nancy. Thank you for the call upon their life and for them being all in people. Lord, they've given their life for your purpose and for your call. God, thank you for organizations like Priority One that today that we can give something that's gonna be helpful to someone. Lord, to think that a legacy that's been built in Argentina, that that building will be torn down and now a new building will be erected in its place that will uh, will provide a place for your glory and for your word to be taught and for you to be worshiped. Lord, I pray that today that you would speak to each of our hearts and that you would give us the courage to be obedient to what you're asking us to give in this offering as well as is where you want to grow us. And Lord, I pray that even out of this room, that there would be some men and some women that you would call to go. Lord, maybe there are some in this room that you're gonna call to start a nonprofit in our community. Maybe there's some that you're gonna call to, to become pastors and missionaries and evangelists. Maybe there will be some that you'll call to go to a foreign country and make your name known where it's not known. Lord, as, as Pastor Randy talked about the freedom that we have, we don't feel guilty about it, but it comes with a weight and a responsibility. And I pray that this morning that your Holy Spirit would let us feel that weight, that we would feel that responsibility to give and to grow and to go. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for joining us. 
We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.